Peace and thank you, family, for tuning into Creative Habits Podcast. I'm your host, Philip Anthony. And I'm your co-host, Indigo. We're based in Washington, D.C. with leading discussions on topics surrounding pop culture, business, lifestyle, and art with an occasional guest appearance within the creative and entrepreneurial industry. What's up, beautiful people? Welcome to season three of Creative Habits Podcast. Um, how you doing today, my love? I'm well. How are you? I can't complain. Um, today's topic is very interesting to me, and um, recently come across it. It's called ontological expansiveness. But first, let's talk about today's news topic, uh, which is about UFOs. Uh, in recent months, the governments have been providing us with um, developments of unidentified flying objects from the military. Mm. Um, you know, UFOs, they've been showing us grainy videos and talking about it um, in front of Congress and um, all types of interviews. Even President Obama said that um, there's a big possibility that there's UFOs or technology that we haven't discovered yet that's flying out there. Mm. But the truth is still out there, or or at least we think it might be. A government report due to Congress as soon as this month will not provide any definite explanation for scores of incidents in which unidentified uh Aerial phenomena have been spotted in the sky, officials said Thursday. This report details of which were the first described by the New York Times will not offer any firm conclusions surrounding flying objects repeatedly detected by military (laughs) pilots in recent years. The Washington Post reported, though the Reports on identified aerial phenomenons um, finds no proof of extraterrestrial activity. The government's findings did not rule out such activity. So basically, they're telling us that they're flying objects, but we're not going to tell you any more information because it's classified. That and um, yeah, that's a good <laughs> point. And I guess human panic, you know. Create some a bit of panic in not telling the full information. I mean, we panic in general, like mm-hmm. the gas crisis when somebody hacked <laughs> into the the gas uh, mainframe. People just started b- buying gallons of gas, putting it in garbage bags and garbage pails, and like people are crazy. Or the corona yeah. when people just bought everything out of the store and um, toilet paper and just like just crazy stuff like people will lose their shit once they figure out aliens like are really here I can understand that but usually like how this country is supposed to be a free country it's kind of interesting how they disclose information because of those panic ideas but it's Mm -hmm. like isn't it that they're telling half truth yeah but I think it's I'm playing devil's advocate. Mm-hmm. I think they should like withhold information because people lose their shit. 
it would be like at the end of days if we find out that we're not alone and a lot of things that we believed in like religion and politics and social like constructs are are really irrelevant yeah I no, I totally get it, but it's like for me and my personality and just like how I interpret information, truth. I need to know everything. Yeah. How are you going to just tell me half of the information and then that's it? Like mm-hmm. everything else is classified. What would freak you out more? <laughs> um, little green and gray aliens that come down like Independence Day or finding out that there's other humans like us on different planets within the galaxy. I think the other humans would freak me out. Really? Why? I just think because we have just been programmed Mm -hmm. to think that we are just the only humankind. In the center of the universe. In the center of the universe. But to have other human beings in different spaces would be like, like, oh my gosh. And what if, you know, that part of their existence is more you know, more of a paradise than here or like Mm. vice versa. Like what if, you know, they want to come to earth and take over earth Mm -hmm. (laughs) and change the existence that's here. So I don't know. It'll probably be more mind blowing than green aliens because that's just a foreign thing. What do you think? I think, I don't know. I kind of like well prepared myself because I like (laughs) to watch like Star Trek and all these different space um, shows where they go to different planets. A lot of science fiction, And yeah. they find aliens that look like us or mm-hmm. different humanoids and stuff like that. Like, I would be... I would be more afraid of the green and gray aliens because mm-hmm. I can't, like, relate to them, in a sense. But I don't know. I don't know. It's just, I just They're find both it very, freaky. Like, there's yeah, no wrong answer, I don't think. I just find it interesting. Yeah. You know, very interesting that... There's other life out there. There's been records for like thousands of years all over the planet. Yeah. On the topic of what we're about to discuss, do you think that that was like the level of curiosity or fear that happened when um, we discovered different races? Like I know race Mm. is a construct, but like different skin color tones and different cultures and people Mm. when, you know, we first traveled or however it happened in history, because, you know, our, our history is written in one 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 way, so we're not mm. really sure about the story, but I'm just curious, like, how did they feel when they saw other people? <laughs> yeah, I think it depends on how developed the other people were. Yeah, no, I know. You know, um, before, like, slavery and all that, and when people were just traveling and trading, mm-hmm. um, a lot of the Europeans, like, um, I want to say jealous, but they relished that, like, let's say the Greeks and the Romans came down to Egypt, before they had their mausoleums and, and big monuments, they were like, damn, how did these African people build such great things? Absolutely. Or when they went to India and they saw like similar things, like mm-hmm. they really got their ideas from like people of color or even Asia, like the Great mm-hmm. Wall of China. Like they went down there and was like, what the fuck? How did y'all do that shit? Yeah, and I even get that, but like pre that moment, like mm-hmm. when the first human saw another human that was like humans but just a little bit you know Mm -hmm. slightly different darker complexion or fair skin complexion Mm -hmm. and just you know like wow it's it's, (laughs) it's been happening because you know like african and and black people are like 
our DNA are the most diverse DNA in the planet. Yeah. So we've been traveling and trading with like different other humanoids back way back then, like thousands of years ago. Yeah. And if you think about it, like what if, you know, the other beings in this world from the flying object article that you talked about, mm-hmm. what if they're like chimeras or like the ancient Egyptian like mm-hmm. half human, half animal mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> combination. Yeah. That's interesting. That I got would be a, crazy. a real crazy theory. I think that um our human development didn't begin on this planet. I think this is my theory. I think that um way back in the day, like when dinosaurs were still here, um our earliest ancestors were like colonizing the stars and shit. Like different planets, like mm. Mars used to be a vibrant um, planet that had atmosphere, water, air, land resources, and stuff like yeah. that. And we lived there, and somehow, what we're doing to the planet today, we did to Mars, which is why it's like real messed up. And that's an interesting theory. And how, if that were to be true, that everything is cyclical mm-hmm. because it's like you know the Earth is going through climate change and things that are destroying this planet mm-hmm. and we may need to go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. So um, let's get back to the main topic. Ontological, Ontological expansiveness. Expansiveness. Before we tell the, the exact definition, what do you think of when you hear that word? Um, well, to start off with, I didn't really know what ontological meant. Mm-hmm. Um, but out of curiosity, what would that mean, ontological? Hell of fun, though. <laughs> <laughs> the first time I heard it, I was like, what the hell is that? Yeah, because I remember you telling me about it. Oh, meaning. But, okay, so I can just tell you what I understand as a summary um, rather than the, the definition. Um, But before that, it says that ontological means showing the relations between the concepts and categories in a subject area. Mm. So um, just from my knowledge of researching after we spoke about what that meant is the idea that um, white privilege is still very prominent in society. Mm. And it is based on the study of the person that came up with ontological expansiveness is far more dangerous than white supremacy. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so I'll share more once you kind of share your definition. All right, let's give the exact definition um, created by Shannon Sullivan. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to Shannon. Um, ontological expansiveness is a theoretical framework used under the umbrella of critical whiteness studies that was conceptualized by Sullivan in 2006 to describe the complex and nuanced relationships that exist amongst race, whiteness, and space. What do you think about that? Um, Yeah, I mean, pretty much my understanding of what it means that from in an invi- in one group of people's ideals then become what has to be for the rest of the world mm-hmm. or the rest of society um but yeah so 
Shannon Sullivan is the author of Revealing Whiteness, The Unconscious Habits of Racial Privilege. And she's the one that is, um, you know, coined ontological expansiveness. Mm -hmm. I would love to read her book (laughs) now that we've kind of seen everything. But basically, like what I was saying is that white white privilege lives on even after white supremacy Mm -hmm. and that it's far dangerous because they are people who dismiss white privilege and it ends up hindering society rather than improving everyone's situation instead of like hearing what the problem is you ignore it and say there is no problem pretty much gaslighting mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah um as ontologically expansiveness um white people tend to act and think as if all spaces whether geographical physical linguistic economical, spiritual, bodily, or otherwise are or should be available for them to move in and out of as they wish. So, like, pretty much everything in existence, they feel like they they take ownership of it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's there so they can yeah. do whatever they want. And Sullivan was saying, like, a primary goal of her project is to show how the unconscious racism of white privilege does as much, if not more, damage than consciously embrace racism of white supremacy. Mm-hmm. So even in spaces like your work setting, education, how mm-hmm. history is only written from one lens— Meanwhile, you know, there's people that experience Tulsa and nobody knows the story of Tulsa. Yeah. And there's still people that are experiencing traumas from that, but the rest, like, everybody is not conscious of it. But what I find interesting about ontological expansiveness is that it expands beyond the white person. Mm-hmm. Even though that's the topic, it's like some people can think in, in the way of whiteness It's like brainwashing. Exactly. Yeah. So it, it also just doesn't, like... Remain in, you know, the group of white people that we're talking about. It actually, because we're all affected by whiteness, you know, some of us have traits of ontological expansiveness. I think a lot of that deals with the history that has been written down and the media that shows us nothing but whiteness. So we're all being subliminally programmed to believe that white is right. You know what I mean? And they own all of this. Um, it's even with like things like gentrification, like when a white person moves to a predominantly or historically black neighborhood. And perfect example, in D.C., there's this um, shop in northwest, I believe, or northeast D.C., and they play like music. Um, go-go music is a it's a music that's predominantly in the DMV area it's like a historically DC, Maryland and Virginia music and they just build these, uh, recently built these condos and this store plays this music like all day long, you know, pretty loud and once these uh, transplants moved <clears throat> into this area. Not transplants. <laughs> <laughs> Once these transplants moved into the area, they had a problem with the music, so they started calling the police. Or 
And there's is this Florida and like right by Howard <clears throat> yeah, University this is, area? This is where um, this is like the yes. birth of Don't Mute DC yes. happened. Yes, okay. And so much has happened. It feels like years ago that yeah, happened, and it wasn't. And people got a wind of it, and the person who called the police went on the the news um, and said, I, "I like the music. I just don't want it too loud." <laughs> or when. <laughs> Um, Howard University is a predominantly historically black university and white people started moving into the neighborhood around the university and this one dude where a lot of white people were walking their dogs on Howard University's lawn basically disrespecting and not picking up dog shit and it was another dude on the news was like if, well if you guys don't like it why don't you move the university white dude Interesting that you say that because I think that's a great point to kind of move towards talking about white privilege and its influence of entitlement, but yeah. also appropriation. Yeah. Because we can also bring the conversation about the bonnet, yeah. where it's like, are we saying that it's inappropriate and we have to conduct ourselves so that the white lens can ap- appreciate or accept us more? Mm-hmm. Like, why is, you know, I understand the concept of looking presentable outside of the house. Black hair. But who are we doing that for? Yeah. Yeah. Black hair. It, uh, it goes our, our beyond clothing. That. Clothing. Yeah, absolutely. Like. Black women, you know, I'm pretty sure you had to deal with this trying to figure out what to wear to work. That I mean, you're pretty shapely. You're a well that doesn't woman. enhance my. You know I, mean, what I mean, you see me and, in the morning, and you don't want to like. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to say offend, but like you, you have to. I have to look slightly invisible. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and it's it's just such a such a weird thing. Um, But, yeah, it's like appropriation versus what's appropriate, you know, Mm -hmm. or like policing things because you have that privilege to do so. And I think that um, it's true telling. And I'm, you know, what a brilliant person. I don't know if she's like a a licensed scientist or Mm -hmm. whatever she is, but the fact that um, Shannon was able to kind of have like a distinct definition of what this is. Ontological expansiveness is like the, the, the best interpretation yeah. of the entire umbrella of the experience. And there's <laughs> that so we many face like different things that fall fall beneath that umbrella. Mm-hmm. Like when certain people feel deputized to police people, um, if you're riding in the car, you're blasting music and some random white person like turn that music down I'm gonna call the cops or just walking while black through a neighborhood (laughs) even when I think about it now it's like even land ownership the fact that they came into this country and said that Native Americans were not appropriate enough to take care of their own land and lead their own people you know like the fact that they literally stole something that did not belong to them the whole world is ontologically expansiveness Mm -hmm. yeah um and pl- and having, you know, like I feel like they even had special ways that they planted and seeded their things to, you know, grow trees. And and that's why I feel like a lot of us have allergies because a lot of these plants are foreign to this place. Yeah. And, you know, there's different practices and things that happen on this sacred land that no longer happen. So it's like, could be the reason why America's a mess to begin with. But mm. 
Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Ontological expansiveness is a particular relationship between self and environment in which the self assumes that it can and should have total mastery over its environment. Mm. Here can be seen the devious maneuvers of consciousness, habits of white privilege to obstruct their transformation. So basically what we were just talking about. Yeah. And even if you think about it too, like I think the 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 teens of the thousands is when you really saw a shift in like um medical support. Mm-hmm. So mental health or like the the black women, you know, suffering in hospitals, but the need of having black faces and black doctors in that spaces mm-hmm. because you can't even connect with a doctor because they view you in a certain way of this, you know, ex- ontological expansiveness of them thinking that they own mm-hmm. and can pretty much dismiss anything that's not from their lens. Yeah. And I think that part of the reason why a lot of black people have PTSD or traumas is because we don't even have an opportunity to be prideful. Like anything that we do that is prideful within us is diminished Mm -hmm. or taken away. So I think even having, not having a voice or not being acknowledged for the fact that, you know, this, most of this country is built by us. But it's been dismissed. Like, we're not even acknowledged for the fact that mm-hmm. that that happened. And that that a lot of that starts in, like, grade school. Because mm. when I went to elementary school, um, a lot of my teachers were white. Like, most of, my, most of the teachers in a predominantly black neighborhood were white, you know. And I didn't have the opportunity to like relate to any of my um, educators until high school when I seen a lot of like black male teachers Mm. you know and white people from a job that I used to work um, I used to travel to a lot of schools and I noticed the difference how white teachers treated different um, races of people um White students didn't really get in trouble that much, even though they were being assholes. Um, black students, especially like women, black black girls, were like reprimanded to the highest extent, like really, really demeaned and degraded. You know, and it starts from like when they're in <laughs> when they're like fifth grade and up, or maybe like say third grade and up. You know, and psychologically, I, I know that breaks anybody down, but especially like little black girls. It trumps your confidence. I think with anyone that experiences some form of white supremacy or um, discrimination really suffers from it. Because I even think about how you may have that experience in grade school, but you can go to a store, a corner store, mm. and, you know, if someone that looks like you, like let's say a white person sees another white person come in, he may be the one that's stealing, but mm. if you walk in, you know, maybe he might look at you a little bit closer, but it's just that ontological expansiveness of thinking, well, you know, 
because I am and, you know, he is the same as me, mm-hmm. that doesn't, you know, you know, I, I can't think anything of him. But this guy, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. is different from us. And maybe like, you know, he's a criminal and I might be a little bit more cautious than I would. Yeah. My fellow Caucasian. Yeah. That's all over the world because um, we can go to Asia and they do a lot of like um, blackface. I think in like South Korea. Um, you just watch something on TV about that. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of that information that they get about black people, because there's not a lot of black people over there, is from the media. And the media is controlled by uh, white ontological expansiveness. But, yeah, I mean, coming to the conversation of saying that even Asians or other races, you know, have this bias, this implicit bias of people, it's still through the lens of a white person. Yeah. Because geographically, mentally, you the know, media. sometimes spiritually, mm-hmm. everything that we do is based off of the white gaze or like the white white perspective. And that's the white privilege within itself. Because even if a white person says, like, you know, I'm better than you, mm-hmm. how can you argue that? Because most of us were educated under their, you know. What blows my mind is how can us as uh, melanated people, not even just black people, just melanated people, period, you know, people of color, allow or a race of people that's only 7,000 years old to claim ownership of the whole planet. That's a good question. And I only hesitate in speaking because sometimes I feel like if you were to look at it from the perspective of someone that's being domestically abused, Mm. it's the same question as like, why didn't that person leave when they had the opportunity? It could be Stockholm. Or it could be gaslighting where you're completely oblivious to the fact that you're being abused. Mm-hmm. You know, like sometimes people don't know or like e- even emotional abusers, like people that I guess you think have your best interests at heart because they're human, too. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe like it's. it's and it's not weird. oblivious, it's, but it's, 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 it's weird. It's just the I don't atrocities. The atrocities. And the continued um, blatant disrespect and lack of accountability and honestly not giving a fuck. Like, it, it just baffles me. Yeah, like, but I also, it's kind of difficult because you bring that point up. But I, I, you know, I think about you and myself and like the people we surround ourselves with in our families. Mm-hmm. And I think we come from a family that are pretty informed or like pretty um, aware of some of the things that have occurred in history I do think it's 50-50 like I don't think all of us have a certain view like we don't care Mm. but that's the question it's like how did that happen and how do we change it like I know you can educate yourself but then what are the next steps Mm. I don't think it's up to us I think it's up to the people that are privileged mm. to change the constructs of how society runs I'm not saying it's up to us I'm just trying to figure out how I, I understand that too but it's, it's like we just I don't know it's just weird it's just weird. I get what you're saying it's just weird I get what you're saying um 
The very act of giving up direct total control over one's habits can be an attempt to take indirect total control over them by dominating the environment. The very act of changing one's environment so as to disrupt white privilege paradoxically can be um, disrupted that only reinforces that which it disrupts. Can I quickly answer your question? Go ahead. Because I think, what if we were too prideful to realize that we were being... Too prideful? Prideful is in like we, we, you know, culturally as African people carry ourselves with a certain level of dignity or like, well, that's not going to happen because, you know, we are a people of morals and dignity or whatever. But, yeah. you know, these people come in, we welcome them into our village, we show them how to do this and this. So it's like maybe for us culturally we exchange and we share, mm. but, you know, that's a whole different type of group of people Mm. where rather than exchanging and sharing wants to take divide and control. Mm. So maybe it was just like not in our nature instinctively to think negatively about a certain group of people. But once the, I I feel what you're saying, but once the negative happens, like then what, once you see your brothers and sisters being taken and beaten and enslaved and killed and thrown over, off a, a, a ship and yeah, then your, I, I get your what homeland invaded and yeah and then you have people like Margaret Garner like well f- you know F this I'm mm. going to kill my children because I don't want them to go through slavery so it's like some people did want to survive and they were just like maybe we just shut up and do what they tell us to do and then when they <laughs> tell us to go back to our country and when we try like Marcus Garvey they stop it because they realize that the country would not run if black people were not here in America. So I just think it's pride and fear. Mm. Uh, you know, sometimes I think morally there are, there are people that have dignity and carry themselves in a certain way where they don't think somebody can just come in and just steal when they've shared information and shared certain things. But at the same time, too, it's like once you realize they're taking in all of this stuff, like it could be overwhelming. Like, what the fuck mm. do we do with this group of people mm. that are just here to kill and be here on the planet by themselves? Mm. That's a little bit don't like I feel like I don't think that we were unintelligent, but it was just an overwhelming experience mm. to like deal with that type of I don't disrespect. think that, we're un- that we were unintelligent. I think that we were over intelligent. I don't think there was a cockiness with it. I think it's, it was it's, like it's like because we confidence with respect, <laughs> like our pride. ancestry, our lineage. Like we didn't come up with these different constructs where you have to work 40, 50, 60 hours a day just to pay for bills and 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 buy things that you really don't need when and pay for food when the earth provides all of that for you you know what i mean like you can build a house the earth the earth provides the wood the soil the 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 cement the the rocks and and whatever that we need to 
provide. Yeah, and, and that was work, but stuff. with no monetary. You know what I mean? Like you know, substance attached. It's to like it. we've been bamboozled in a sense to be a cog in a machine. We've been bamboozled. We've been um, enchanted by a spell that they've casted. You know what I mean? I think it's force and I think it's abuse. I think black people and other people that are that don't have a sense of this privilege have been abused and coerced into mm. moving and, you know, living in a specific society and really not really changing it because of fear. Like mm. there's been such so much genocide that's happened from, you know, the ancestry and lineages, lineage of these people. Tell like, even though they may not be the most, like, the first of anything or the first to be on the planet, mm. like, they're the first to really destroy, you know? Mm. And not destroy a small inkling of, like, a, a nation, but the entire world, mm. <laughs> you know? Whole, and that's scary. World. Like, yeah. that's scary. So maybe I, I'm In 7,000 years, though. Yeah. In 7th... The oldest African bones is 400, I think, 400,000 years. You know? I get what you're saying. We've been here for 400, 500,000 years. Kept the planet nice and clean and gave back. And, you know, like we were good until 7,000 years <laughs> ago. When the first cock, excuse me, I, I love white people, but when the first carcassoid came out of those mountains, it was like, you know what, I'm gonna fuck all this shit up. <laughs> why? And that's why I look like I look at, you know, this circumstance as like being in a playground. And you know, you have that one bully mm -hmm. that just fucks with everybody. Yeah. But then you have like the Asians, like mm -hmm. the, 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 the hype man. It's not even the hype men, but the, the people that were like, you're not going to fucking bully me because I'm going to kick your ass. Yeah. You know, like they're the ones that are like, I can beat your ass, too. And that's why they've been able to survive and maintain because they don't give a fuck. Mm -hmm. Like we will die, mm -hmm. <laughs> but you're not going to fuck with us. But then I, I think you have like not the shy, but the one that doesn't want to fight too hard. But mm -hmm. when they're ready to fight, they fight, they they'll fight and they'll kill you. Yeah. But then it's like. There's no control. They'll keep fighting. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's like what we are doing like as as a, 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 a black race is that even though it looks like we're being beat down, we're strategic about it. So my only thing about it is they're doing it like kamikaze suicide bombers. It's like if we can't control y'all and we can't take over this planet, we're going to fuck all this shit up so nobody survives. If I can't have it, you can't have it either. That's overwhelming. That's fucking insane. Yeah. And I, yeah, that's why I'm saying like answering your question why it's like that would be me. Like I'm just like if you're going to kill my family, if you're going to kill my, you know, everybody mm -hmm. around me. I, I'm not ready to die, but it's like, if you want me to do what you're telling me to do, mm. I'm going to do some of it. But damn, like, mm -hmm. it's, it's scary. It's like, what what are you supposed to do? But but be 110% and 
and, and, you know, do what you're supposed to do. Go to work, pay the bills so that you can survive. Like, that's how we live. Like, we just, we're just surviving. It's not like we're living. We're surviving. And from the white privileged perspective, it's like they're living because you can, you can eat and you can go on vacation. Yeah. You know, not all of them, but I'm just saying like, just how everything is constructed in society. It's like, there's going to be somebody that's going to be at the bottom. And because we're all at the bottom, you know, sometimes we bring each other down because that's all we know. That's mm-hmm. all we're familiar with. So for some reason, the top 5% has convinced, like, top 5%, like, the richest, wealthiest people of the United States in the world who spontaneously just accumulated wealth recently or have, like, old money. They convinced the rest of the world, um, white people included, like the the rest of us, the 95% on the bottom, they convinced us that, okay, we as black people, we are disenfranchised, we are faced with racism, this, that, and the third, and it's their fault. And they convinced the other side, we as white people, we're, we don't, they're taking our jobs, they're using our tax money for um, unemployment, social security, and, and food stamps is their fault. You know what I mean? So it's like we're on, the 95% are fighting each other on the bottom while the top 5% are sitting on the top with their bellies full laughing like, look at these fuckers. Do you know what? You just opened a can of worms because I think what you just said is a repetitive cycle. Yeah. That's how they got us during colonialism. Yeah. And that's how you had um, civil wars happening yeah. in certain part of the world. It's like you point, you know, you do your destruction, then you point the finger and you leave. Yeah. And I think it's been happening. Like, that's also could answer your question. Like, how? It's like we were distracted. Like, we mm-hmm. thought it was between, you know, different tribes when, you know, the bully came to, like, instigate and yeah. then was like, I'm out, and you know, and then it's up to us mm-hmm. to figure it out. But then going back to that, it's like you had nations like Ethiopia and Haiti who were never defeated, but mm-hmm. you had instigators and situations where there's civil war and then, you know, you borrow money from the people that were instigating mm-hmm. to fix your problems. Then mm-hmm. you have to pay them for the rest of the you know, for the rest, I don't know for how long, but Billions of dollars. you know, like it's like con artists, basically. You know, like basically, yeah, yeah. It's it's mind blowing. Yeah, um, expansiveness to the fullest. Just hit the last piece of this portion. Um, Hold on, you can't because we have to talk about Black Velvet. Oh yes, um, let's take a quick break for our sponsors. Um, Black Velvet. If you want to lather in luxury, choose Black Velvet Shea Butter. We not only have shea butter, we have beard oil, beard oil kits, lip balm, and many more things. If you would like to learn more about Black Velvet, please visit our Etsy site. It is Shop Black Velvet on Etsy. Again, shop Black Velvets on Etsy. And we are proud to sponsor Creative Habits Podcast. Boo, 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 boo. (laughs) All right, back to the task at hand. When a white person makes a well-intentioned decision not to live in an all-white neighborhood, for example, 
Good Doing example. so can simultaneously disrupt her habit of always interacting with white neighbors and argue, augment her racial privilege by increasing her ontological ontological expensiveness. Yes. So I'm going to stay in this neighborhood, send my kids to this neighborhood that's predominantly the same race as myself mm -hmm. so that when they move forward and have their own futures, they have the same races themselves. And that hinders society because that's a form of white privilege that sees nothing else besides themselves, which is far more dangerous than white supremacy, because at least white supremacy, you don't lie. You're not lying about your circumstance and your feelings towards something. Mm. But with ontological expansiveness, I think people can say, well, I'm not a racist, but mm. you have built your life in the in the ways that show your your superiority yeah so you can sh basically choose where your kids can go to school it's ontological expansiveness is weird because it feels like okay in black spaces the n-word white people some white people are mad that they aren't able to say it i mean they can but when it comes to like music hip-hop or you know social settings they're mad because they can't say it it's like if, if you can say it in your songs why can't i say it who are you to say what we can do and say to express ourselves and what we took that messed us up mentally for hundreds of years and and we took that and we we, we reformed it, we, we we rebuilt it and we embraced it and we used it as a word of endearment to other individuals that know our pains and our struggles. Who are you to include yourself into Insert that conversation yeah. and tell us what we can do and what we can't do just but. because you aren't allowed to insert yourself and say that word? Like I said before, unfortunately, it's a cultural habit of privilege. If you are born into whiteness, I think that even subconsciously, unconsciously, it's embedded in you to, to have certain ideals. Mm -hmm. Even if you are of a person that is considered anti-racist, there are a lot of undoings that you have to do because unintentionally you may not realize your implicit biases or your ideals may still be viewing the world in the the ways that you you own it mm -hmm. geographically you know culturally in other people's cultures like how dare you insert yourself and say well why can't i say that it's mm -hmm. not you know it's not you to demand or ask of that exactly if somebody is saying that you're not welcome into this you're not welcome yeah or if we do allow you in. Just respect and understand the the rules and regulations of how we do this shit. And that's why it confuses me because it's like you guys can make the rules and write the laws. Mm -hmm. But the moment other people do that, you have a problem with it because you're Ontological not expansiveness. expansiveness. Hello. <laughs> it comes full circle. Full fucking circle. Yeah, well, I think... This was great. Yeah, it was a, a great 
pod coming back. Um, it's funny. I heard this term from this um, famous uh, Native American TikToker. Um, what is his name? So um, modern underscore warrior underscore underscore. So guys, check him out. Um, he's very insightful on his people's struggles and pointing out colonizers bullshit. And shout out to Native Americans because I feel like they don't get to be recognized as much as they need to. Like yeah. all of us do not belong on this land, yet mm-hmm. we always fight over it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So and do black like, people have ontologically expansiveness too? Oh, no. Let's not, <laughs> let's not go there. We were talking about, you know, but I was just saying, like going back to what I was saying, I mm. think that ontological expansiveness can be universal yeah. um, in races because we live in a one-way society, mm. which is of the white Western world. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. But um, we really appreciate you guys tuning in. Um, I know we took a couple months off. We just wanted to get um, this third season on and popping with some really great topics. And it's on and it's popping. And um, we have a lot of great um, artists and, and guests that we speak with um, that's on its way out. So I uh, hope you guys enjoy the, the this, this season. Thank you for listening. Um, here is your quote of the day. Racism is a grown-up disease, and we should stop using our kids to spread it. Ruby Bridges. Okay, Ruby. All right, guys. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, and have a good one. Peace. Ciao.